Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. It is good to be with you and to be here with family. Jason and I both married into the family, so um, we have different experiences of the family. But it is nice to be with the larger family of God. I want to thank you for being the church in this place. Over the last decades of my career, I've spent a lot of time trying to encourage churches to express the kind of openness that I see on your homepage when I looked on the website. The kind of openness that I experience when I walk in the door, the kind of welcome for all people. So I want to thank you for being faithful to that call in this place because in this day and age especially, we need places that feel like home to people. Places where people feel not just welcomed, but affirmed and confirmed in the love and grace of God. So thank you for being church. I did teach a course on forgiveness. Actually, I taught it several times, and it's a whole semester long, so you're not going to get the whole sermon. But one of the pieces of forgiveness that is a sticking point is the question of apology. What does it mean when we apologize for something? What do we think we're doing when we do what we do? So this morning, I want to take just a short little look, short, I only preach once in a while, but I'll try to watch the watch, a short little look at what apologies do and how they disrupt our normal routine. But to start us out, I want to remind us of a letter to the church at Corinth. You all probably know the church at Corinth. You've read parts of that letter before. You've heard sermons preached on them, sometimes good sermons preached on the letters to the Corinthian church. Corinth was an urban place, probably much like the Twin Cities. It was a cosmopolitan place. It was a place of multiple cultures and competing agendas for good. Now, the city of Corinth had probably many places of worship. One of those was this little group of believers who came to be known as the Corinthians. It was a church that knew division. In fact, the very beginning of this first letter to the church at Corinth 
reminds the readers of the letter about the divisions in the church. Because people were talking about whether they were baptized by Paul or baptized by Chloe. And the writer, presumably Paul, spends a long time trying to convince the people that really division is not God's call. God's call is for the world of shalom, the world of justice, the world of meaning-making that allows for everyone to feel welcome at the table. It is in this letter that Paul does that wonderful chapter that we oftentimes hear, hear read at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, where he reminds the readers that there are many spiritual gifts, the greatest of them being the gift of love. But before he gets to that point, he reminds the readers that the body of Christ is made up of many parts and that we need the many parts in the body of Christ in order to be the fullness of the kingdom of God. So the writer takes time to think about what it means to be the body of Christ. And there in that letter we read these words as Paul helps them think about what it means to come to the Lord's table. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Last night when I can't hear too loud, can't hear? Last night when I turned on the news, I once again heard about another set of deaths at the hands of a gun. The gun violence that sweeps our world, that turns us upside down, that grieves our hearts and brings tears to the eyes of God. It is one example of the way in which our world is so broken and so divided. But it's not the first time that we've had a broken world. The question becomes, what do we do in this moment to change the world? And how do we participate in the work of God? How do we examine ourselves and move forward in God's work? I'm not sure I have the answers, but I have some ideas. And the ideas involve thinking about how we take responsibility and accountability for our part and recognize that we are part of a larger community, that we share with one another the responsibility for changing the world.
When I feel overwhelmed by the hurts and pains of the world, I oftentimes find myself stopping to look for a place of solace, a place of comfort, a place of grace. Many years ago, I was part of a national board working, working on LGBTQIA concerns in the church. As we were working, it occurred to several of us that we were focusing largely on the concerns of those who sat at the table. Largely gay men, lesbians, almost all of whom were white. And most of us were middle class because we could afford to get to the meeting. As we sat there, one of my wise colleagues said to us, does it bother anyone else that we're all white and that the concerns we raise are largely the concerns we have and perhaps not the concerns of a larger community? Quickly around the table, there was discomfort and dis-ease because we knew he was right. But we didn't know what to do, so we fumbled, actually for more than one meeting, several meetings in a row, and the work continues on to this day. We asked quickly, how could we address our failure and how could we continue to do the good work? And the response was simple, uh, but not so simple. Apologize and work for change. It's that little tricky word, and, that disrupts our normal routines. It's one thing simply to say, oh, I'm sorry that we have missed the boat. It's another to say, I am so sorry that I'm going to examine myself and discern how I can change or how we can change as a community. That's a much harder thing to do. But apologies that don't include change or commitments to change are rarely very effective. You know, it's a simple thing if you step on my toe and you apologize and I say, that's okay. But when you hurt me, or more importantly, when you hurt someone I love, it is much harder to figure out how to address the wrong. Because that requires change. It requires an openness and negotiation to changing the power that's in the room. It requires that we think about the way that others think or the way they live, even though it's hard for us to imagine. For those of us on that board, it required that we began to think about, this was a long time ago, we began to think about trans issues. We began to think about what it meant for people of color to walk into a church like this. We began to think about how do we address the larger systemic issues that keep people in their places and that work against the realm of God. And as we worked, we made mistakes with each other. Relationships became strained at times. Sometimes people would attempt a to make an apology and to make a change only to be reminded that, oh, you really didn't get it. And at those moments, it was hard to keep doing the work. And yet we were committed to a change that didn't just help those of us in the LGBTQIA community, 
but that actually helped the soul of the church. Because we knew that it wasn't about us at one level. We weren't the issue. The question was, what does it mean to stand as a church, to stand for the people of God in all of its diversity? How do we do that? Apologies are honest responses. They're honest responses to the pains we experience or the harms that we have participated in. And they're a way to imagine how we might do change. They disrupt our lives because that change often requires us to rethink our way of being or rethink the assumptions we bring to something. The examination of our souls, as the letter to the church at Corinth said, is an important place to start. As we begin to think about that, we begin to imagine how do we think we are participating in the coming realm of God? How do we bring heaven to earth right now? How do we help stop gun violence? These seem like overwhelming questions. And yet if we don't ask them and we don't imagine that we can do some kind of change, we find ourselves helpless and hopeless. There are times that we have to apologize over and over again because we haven't quite gotten the whole message. You notice I'm wearing a rainbow stole. It's an old-fashioned rainbow stole, meaning that it has the colors of the rainbow without the trans community colors. It was given to me by a woman who was denied ordination many years ago in this United Methodist Church of ours over on the West Coast. She made it for those of us who were trying to change the church. I wear it not because it represents the whole of the work, but because it reminds me that we have come a long ways. We actually have some of us who are ordained gay, lesbian, out people. We have trans folks in the leadership of the United Methodist Church, and yet we're not there yet. We are not there yet. It reminds me that the work of disrupting our world for the good, not just disrupting our world so that things become chaotic, but disrupting our world in a way that we trust is part of God's imagination for us can be the gift that we bring to the world. There is no doubt that relationships take work. The songs we heard this morning are reminders of that kind of work. On an individual level, on a community level, and even on a global level. About this time, I find myself wondering, how do we respond? For what do we apologize? And I imagine that apologies invite us to think about the language we use to try to change the world. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm sorry. Instead, apologies when done well, name what our part is 
in the work that is yet to do. So it's not enough for the church to say, oh, I'm sorry, LGBTQIA people. I'm glad we're finally kind of finding a way to let you all in, to let you all in. That's not a good apology. A better apology is, I'm sorry it is taking us so long to find the interconnections between racial reconciliation, the justice making for LGBTQI trans kids and families, to find the ways in which we could be the church in the world even though it disrupts our normal routines and our patterns. So we come full circle. We come back to this table and the reminder to the church at Corinth that this is a table that is God's table. That is a table that invites us into imagining a new world to thinking outside of the box and coloring outside of the lines, if you will. It is a table served for all. There are three things about this table today that I want to remind us. Number one, we come to this table as a community. We don't just have personal lives and we show up at the table, but we come as a community to signal that we are in this together and we hold one another accountable. We come as a community knowing that we have a part to do and so do others in the community. And it's not whether they all do my part, it's how do I do my part and encourage and invite others to do their part. I can't change the world alone, you can't change the world alone, but as a community, as a community, we might have enough courage and stamina and strength and fortitude to imagine a world of God's shalom and to work for that world, but we have to do it as a community. The second thing is to remember that this is a table of grace. I've been a Methodist all my life, largely because I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, which was a small town in Wisconsin, which meant there was a post office. There was a grocery store of some sort. There was a little gas station, and there were two bars. And there was one church. And in that church, you became Methodist because that was the church that was there. But what I learned in that little church, where maybe there were 20 people in church on Sunday, was about a kind of grace that sticks down to your toes and sits with you for the rest of your life. John Wesley talked about communion as a means of grace. It wasn't just a little supper that you come to and partake of bread and juice. It was indeed the means, the way in which God's grace inspires, transpires, confirms, excites, changes who we are. It is the grace that helps us get up in the morning and face the day. It is the grace that gives us the strength and courage to say, we have to do better, let's figure out how to do it. It is the grace that God instills in us so that we can go out and change the world. Community, grace. And the third thing is the reminder that God walks with us on this journey. God didn't just put us down here and say, now go and do. 
Instead, God said, I will be with you. In fact, if you go back and look at that Corinthians text, it says, this is the supper to remind you to be that God is with you until God comes again. This is the meal that reminds you that God walks with you in the hardness of apologies and the disruptions they make in our lives. This is the God who journeys with our souls. So today as we celebrate, let us remind ourselves that God's grace is always abundant and always sufficient. That we come as a community knowing we are bound together in ways that sometimes will make it hard for us to stand one another, and yet we are community. Because in God's name, we offer goodness and grace to the rest of the world. Thanks be to God. And the people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God, and may you have peace.